Today, if you look at the bulletin, you see that there is a passage from the Gospel according to John, which I encourage you all to read at home. It's a wonderful story. Midweek, towards the end of the week, I changed my sermon. So today we will be reading the first Samuel chapter 18. Most of us grew up attending Sunday school and hearing Bible stories all our childhood. My favorite, one of my favorite stories was about the shepherd boy David who defeated the giant Goliath. Today's scripture starts right after that story. After the victory, David, the young man carrying the head of Goliath in his hand, was presented to King Saul, and the king asked him, Whose son are you, young man? So David said to him, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. So let us hear the story of today's Bible scripture to us. 1 Samuel verses, um, chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 5. When David had finished speaking to King Saul, the soul of Jonathan, son of the king, was bound to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took David that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. As a result, Saul set him over the army, and all the people, even the servants of Saul, approved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, and our Redeemer. Amen. We are continuing our good journey as a congregation. This month, we are focusing on the companion on the journey. On World Communion Sunday, or the first Sunday of October, we shared the bread of life and the cup of salvation with sisters and brothers all around the world. We visually celebrated our citizenship in Christ as one people by the procession of the nations. Pastor Steve encouraged us that day to expand our tables to include everyone who comes. Even as the table was ex this table was expanded for us by Jesus Christ. Last week, we were reminded that even superheroes are not alone, but have companions on their journey. Today, our scripture reading is the beginning of the story of a great friendship between David and Jonathan, the son of the king. We begin this sermon remembering the words of Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, which says, friend, a friend loves at all times. In this story, we think about the role of deep friendship on the good journey. 
This is not the role of any friend, but the role of a friend where the bond of friendship is deep and at the level of the soul. The soul or nefesh in Hebrew means the whole of who we each are. It includes our awareness of being alive and being unique, living person, body, mind, and soul. The soul continues after death. The soul is not limited by time or space. Through the grace of God, our souls become a part of life eternal in God's kingdom. To encounter someone at the level of the soul is to encounter them at the deepest and most intimate God-connected level possible. My belief is that the soul is the form of our self through which we relate with God. People who are strong in soul are sometimes known as old souls. An old soul displays unusual wisdom, calmness of mind, humbleness of speech, and joyfulness of heart. There are also people whom we have never met, but feel that we have known them always. Instant French friends at a deep level, we think of them as soulmates. Some of these new soulmates feel like all soul friends. It feels as if the soul friendship was not formed at the moment we met, but already existed a long time in God's heart. One day in June 1986, on a Sunday, or my first Sunday in Kolkata, India, as I begin my studies at Bishop's College, I met a new friend named Mingtei. Actually, her full name is exactly the same as mine, Lao Mingliani. She goes by Mingtei, and I go by Mingi. We started talking and formed an instant soul friendship. The friendship is still strong after 30 years later. Basically, we have never stopped talking. It is actually true nowadays with video chat and everything. The topic changed over the years. At times, we did not see each other for years. That was before the video chat were free. But we were always able to pick up where we left off. Years later, in 2011, Mingtei and her husband Losa brought their second daughter, Ziri, to study engineering at Purdue University. So Losa, her father, told Ziri that I am now, she is now in the country where I live, and I'm her mother, and she is to listen to me. <laughs> yes, good luck to Ziri. She did a good job, actually. She's an engineer working in Chicago, and she still comes home to me sometimes. She becomes my sole daughter. And my first time, full-time job in the church in this country was a long time ago, started in 1992, at the First Presbyterian Church of Howard County, Maryland. On my first day, I told my senior pastor, I don't know where to begin, tell me. He said, enjoy, you'll never ask that question again. <laughs> and so I went back to him, the end of the day, he said, now the day is over, call George Pasley. So I called him, and I asked him if he would come to eat supper with me at my apartment the next day. George said yes. 
So then I met George Pasley that one day in September of 92 on my second day of the job. I don't know who I was expecting, but who showed up was a large hairy man wearing overalls. He was, he told me, a sheep shearer and a very excellent one of that, and I was impressed. George taught me most of what I know about youth ministry. He was a man, youth, one of the youth um, advisors, and he was a single man whose love was all about children and youth. And then he taught me how to do youth ministry, and the saintliness of his soul was proven I didn't know until months later that day that I had made a fantastic curry chicken curry dinner and almost killed him with the spices. <laughs> so George was very brave. He ate everything, didn't say anything. I was just wondering why he drank so much water. <laughs> almost killed my sole friend at my, with my first hospitality for him. George could somehow read my soul when I was too self-assured. He made me pause and to be reflective. When I was too tentative, you find it hard to believe, right? George helped me find conviction. George comforted me when I was scared, which I was sometimes. I was alone in this whole country with no family and doing my first full-time job for the first, and unintended actually. So he straightened me out when I was foolishly driving around in the 1993 blizzard in Maryland. When I told him I was getting married at age 38, many more years later, George, George rejoiced with me. He even came to the wedding and read an epic poem he had written himself. A few years ago, George got married at age 62. We attended his wedding, but spared him our poetry. <laughs> By the time of his wedding, George was a long-time pastor, gone from shearing the sheep and shepherding the sheep. I met Sue Mooney's giggle before I met Sue. I was on my way as a newly ordained pastor into my office for the first time in Columbus, Ohio. I got as I got close to my office, I could hear someone giggling in the next office. Meeting the giggler sounded a lot more exciting than unpacking my library, so I walked past my own office and went to meet the giggler. And that turned out to be the most ex one of the most extraordinary persons that I would have ever met in my life. Sue Mooney was the parish nurse of Overbrook Presbyterian Church. She was one of the most joyful, loving people I have ever met. She always saw humor and joy in life, regardless of what it is. On the Sunday before I arrived, an argumentative elder, you know, we have some of them everywhere, they did too. So this argumentative elder who missed my candidating Sunday said to Sue, I hear we are having a mingi. I heard that it's a good thing, but what's a mingi? <laughs> so Sue looked at him very carefully and said, yes, we are having, getting a mingi beginning next week. Nobody knows what a mingi is, but we're having one beginning next week. <laughs> so 
Anyways, I still don't know what a Mingi is, personally speaking. <laughs> Sue told this elder that we'll find out together. I think it may be a good thing. So he was okay. He actually did come to meet me at some point in my first six months or so, and he offered me actually a ticket to OSU games. So I passed. She was giggling so hard telling me about talking with this elder the Sunday before. It, it was so funny. I joined her in and we giggled for quite a few, a few minutes. Sue and I would often make calls on the homebound members together. Remember, she was a parish nurse. And I would watch Sue being the love and grace of God, regardless of who we were visiting or what kind of condition they were in. For me, Sue was an old soul. To be with her was both calming and energizing. I felt totally accepted and sure of God's grace when I was with her. Her husband, Dave, was another old soul and is the only person I ever danced with on the Taj Mahal under the 114-degree sun. And that made Sue giggle, too. The whole time, our friendship was giggles more than talks. Back to our Bible story, Jonathan and David connected soul to soul at their first meeting. 1 Samuel chapter 17 tells us when David answers the king's question about whose son he was, David replies, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Despite being the hero of the hour, the rescuer of the king's army, the defeater of the Philistine, David genuinely was humble. He seems to have had the confidence to take on the giant because the giant was defying the mighty and rule of God. How could a person of any size who was insulted, who has insulted God, triumph? It was inconceivable to David. David went into the fight certain that God would act through him and Goliath would fall. And Goliath fell within seconds. Everyone is surprised at David's victory except for David. He was not surprised. A mere giant against the creator of the universe? No contest. Goliath is defeated and David is sure it is God's victory, not his own. So when asked who he is, he responds with his minor status from the most minor of tribes and said, the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. It is not clear why the bond between Jonathan and David was so strong. Jonathan lived through 40 days of terror in which Goliath taunted and bullied the Israelites. Jonathan lived through 40 days of watching his father, the king, fail to take up Goliath's challenge. Jonathan lived through 40 days when he himself, the heir of the throne, was like everyone else, afraid of Goliath. David somehow was too innocent to see the peril of fighting a giant or upstaging the king. He rushed in with his sling and stone where the army feared to tread. And aside, I may also like to tell, I may 
as well tell you that as a tomboy, one of my favorite toys was the sling. And we used marbles. All through the years that I was growing up, growing up in a Buddhist country, our parents and all the parents prohibited us from um, shooting at any living thing. So my friends, mostly boys, and I would sneak up to the fruit trees and we would shoot up the fruits to fall from the tree, which too was not allowed, so we would run really fast like crazy. <laughs> Back to the Bible story. Sorry, I got sidetracked. David and Jonathan's friendship was soul to soul. It was a deep connection. It was as if they had always known each other, as if they were not new friends, but old friends at the first meeting. Friends who had always known, trusted, and loved each other. It was a grace from God and a gift. As that bond starts to work in Jonathan's heart, Jonathan sets aside his own interests. He set aside his rights as the king's heir in favor of his friend, David. He gives David his royal robe, armor, sword, bow, and belt, and signs of his royal authority, all of it. David is thus set up to be seen by everyone as a logical successor to King Saul. This is an amazing act of friendship. David seems innocent about the gift he has been given. Such friendship is important to Jesus. In John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus says, I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. This level of friendship involves persons in relationship with the God who was, who is, and who will be. It is a relationship at the level of the soul, the most basic self in relationship to God. It is the level at which you love selflessly. You put the other's interest ahead of your own, wanting the best for your friend. Just before Jesus says, I do not call you servants any longer, he also says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. John chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. This also happened to be our scripture to memorize for this month. Haven't memorized it in English. As we progress on our good journey together here in Sarasota today, we know we are a part of God's global village. We get to expand the table to welcome all God's children. And we know we need companions. In fact, we must have companions for they are essential to making the journey good. These are not limited to spouse companions or sibling companions or even cousin companions. They most often are other members of the church who walk the journey with us. Not necessarily just one, but many companions who share our walk and our call. They often are soul friends, as well as even physically near or far away from us. The story of David and Jonathan in the Bible teaches us that we should hope 
for a friend in whom we discover a soul-to-soul connection. We need a friend who is able to speak the truth in love with us. We need a friend who loves us more than she or he loves himself or herself. We need a friend who happily sets their own needs aside. We need a friend in whom we see the face of God. At the same time, we also need to be a friend who speaks the truth in love. We need to be a friend who loves our friends into being who God intends them to be. We need to be a friend who sets our need aside to meet the need of others. And we need to be a friend in whom others see the image and likeness of God. The journey is not always easy, but when we have a soul-to-soul friendship with God's people and with God, it can be possible and holy and intimately joyful. Thanks be to God for soul friends. Amen.